That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Having Funlessness with Jen Kirkman, episode 328. Oh, man. Well, I'm at home. I'm not in the studio because I am social distancing and self-quarantining. I think what I'm doing is more self-quarantining because social distancing implies, hey, stay six feet away. I ain't going anywhere with nobody. Okay. Oh, my God. I'm Jen Kirkman. I'm a comedian. This is my podcast. I've had it for six years. It used to be called I Seem Fun. The Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. Again, it is now Having Funlessness with Jen Kirkman. This is a podcast where I talk about my life, what's going on in the world, what's going on in my head, and what's going on with you guys because we started a little community here and y'all email me and I read your emails and it's all great. So, you know, I put out a little message. So there is a Patreon and I'm not even going to give my tour dates, which I do at the top of every episode because I have a feeling that this pandemic will be going on till at least through the end of the summer. I really, based on what I've read, I'm not just making that up myself. And um, even if it becomes okay again to do certain things, I have bronchial issues and asthma and I'm not fucking with this. Um, I'll get into it later, but I thought I might have had it, and it was terrifying. So I might not be able to risk some tour dates. Um, of course, once I know more, you'll if you are a regular listener to this podcast, I start every episode with news about the tour. So you'll hear it here. Um, you can join my newsletter, jenkirkman.com. Click Kirk Mail when you do it, and I'll send out a newsletter as well. So what I want y'all to do is join my Patreon. So, you know, touring this year, I actually wasn't going to tour a lot because, uh, just for many reasons. And it's only about 25 to 30% of my income, um, this year. 
uh, not actually maybe 50% now that I think about it because those writing jobs are kind of shutting down too, even though I'm, I'm on one right now for the next month, but after that, no work. So what I would love is if you can afford it, if you're not too financially hit by this, join my Patreon. You get a live video feed of me. Right now you could see me at home. You could see my home. You could see me in my weird outfit. I'm wearing some real funky outfits that I wouldn't wear in public during the quarantine. And um, you get bonus content as well that you cannot get anywhere else. So, and it's, every tier has bonus content, like extra episodes, but I'll just find things in my phone. Like, oh, here's a video of a show I did last year. And I will just put that in the bonus section too. So you get a lot of bang for your buck and you get merchandise that you cannot get anywhere else. It's not in my tea public store. So the levels start at five bucks a month and they go all the way up to 25. So whatever you can afford, I think the $5 a month deal is a great deal. You get four videos, one 20 minute bonus episode. And again, tons of little like bonusy things that I throw out at you. And, uh, you know, it helps me pay the people at Patreon helping me. It helps me pay the producers helping me. So, and it keeps me employed. So I'm, if even 500 of you did the $5 option, I wouldn't have to worry about not touring this year. And I know that I have tens of thousands of listeners and you would be surprised that only 120 people have signed up so far. So it's a lot of work for me to do it for such a small group of people, but God bless that group. You are getting some bonus so I'd really love you to really think about it. Patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. I've been a comedian for 25 years. And, um, you know, a lot of people younger than me coming up, selling out theaters, kicking ass. I'm in my, I don't know where I am. Am I in a decline? Am I, who knows? But um, could use the support. Would really, really love it. Um, support the people you love. Please don't assume everyone's rich because they've had a Netflix special. I ain't getting Eddie Murphy money. I'm not even getting Eddie Smith money. Who's Eddie Smith? I don't know, some guy. Um, so that's my plea to you if you can. If you can't, well, I certainly understand that. So this episode, I, so and my only reason I started talking about the Patreon was because I'd put it out there to um, my Patreon people and said, what do you, what do you want to talk about this week? You know, we've got coronavirus. What are your thoughts? Do you want to hear more about it? Does it stress you out? And I got about a 50-50 reply of yes and no. And then I thought, you know, listen, it it's always on our minds. And I'm not one for ignoring things and pretending they're not happening. I'm certainly one for having a distraction. I'm certainly one for making light of things as much as we can. And I decided that this week is a Corona-centric episode. We will not be talking about death and dying. We will not be talking about wash your hands. I will not be giving hot tips. It is only the, the quintessential having funless angles of the people driving us crazy, checking in, some of us who like isolating, who are in their glory, some of us who are, I'm, it's going to be a lot of like, you know, making fun of stuff. The celebrities, what are they doing? They are imploding. They are so bad at this. They are so bad at giving out content. They are so tone deaf. It's amazing. We are going to have a lot of fun and it's going to relax you. And I promise you that 
we have all been very, very lucky up until this point. We have been through, I don't know if we've been through worse or what anyone's been through or whatever, um, but in general, you know, I've been through living in New York on 9-11, I've been through the stock market crash of 2008 and the recession and wars and this, you know, I've been in the middle of it. This is, this one really hits home, right? This one is, is really something that affects you on the day to day. And of course, I'm worried about my elderly parents. Of course, I'm worried about friends and businesses closing. And I, I mean, I'm worried about everything, but what I mean by, uh, talking about Corona this week is we're going to put all of that aside. We can put that on hold. We can pretend it's a giant purse and we're going to ask our spiritual angels, hold my purse filled with worry just for one hour because we're going to talk about the stupid little stuff that's annoyed us about how people are reacting to coronavirus. So let me just, again, disclaimer, this is really about the healthy people, not even people with severe anxiety, not people who have symptoms, not people who could possibly get it, not even people who are losing work. Just, we are not making fun of anyone in those circumstances. We are making fun of people who just suck at social media at this time. I think you guys understand I'm not a cruel person and I, uh, pretty, pretty, uh, thoughtful, and I am not here to make fun of people. So I think you understand my angle, and I don't have to keep being like, but I know that some people have this. Trust me, I actually have, I'm actually, um, I don't know how at risk I am, but I'm not one of those people who if they get it, it will be nothing because of my lung problems. So I had a scare this week. We'll talk all about how it affected me. We'll make fun of some people. I will start by reading y'all's emails because a lot of you wanted to hear how you're all doing. And so this, this will connect us all. Yeah, it, it will. Okay. So I'm going to read some listener emails. I got a bunch. I'm just going to read enough that you don't get sick of me reading and then we'll uh, get into it. We'll get into it. That's not a song. Hi, Jen. I think I'd vote for not talking about coronavirus, even though I'm not following that advice. See below. He sent me a really funny cartoon that he drew, but I, um, I don't think I printed it. Nope, I didn't. I was going to hold it up to the camera. Hope you are doing good and staying safe. The ghosting episode had me looking like a total weirdo, laughing to myself walking down the street. I loved it. The pencil noises and that time in the park, that time at etc. Ha ha ha. Ha, ah, and then cut to the sponsor about needing to snuggle and getting some new sheets. Hilarious. Thank you, Damien. It's funny. People will quote things I say in old episodes. I'm like, I have no, because literally I'm making it up as I'm talking and it doesn't stay in my head. If you quoted something from one of my specials, by the time my specials air, I've done those jokes maybe 400 times. So I'm like, oh yeah, I know what I said. But when you're like, and then the pencil noises, I'm like, no clue what that was. Um, so sorry, Damien, we're talking Corona, but I think you're going to be able to handle the way in which we do. Hi, Jen. Thanks for the invite to let you know what we'd like to talk about on the podcast. And then of course, I can't find the page. I am very keen to know how all the funlessness characters are doing during these troubling times. 
How are Gerard and his wife coping? Have they been going to senior citizen-only shopping hours at their local supermarket? Are they worried about catching the virus? Or are they beyond worrying now at that age? Oh, my God, I forgot about Gerard and his wife. You guys remember. I mean, I probably haven't done them in like a year. It's Gerald, I think, actually, and his wife. Gerald doesn't speak. His wife does, and I forget her name. But um, Gerald, Gerald, oh, my God, they're at... They're asking about you on the podcast that, that I do. He doesn't, Gerald doesn't even. You know, he, I said to him, Gerald, you are going to have to start one of those YouTube twitches and TikToks and all this because I keep, he keeps trying to go down to the VFW hall and play, and play cards with the guys. I said, Gerald, you might be sitting six feet apart, but your hands are all over the cards and then you put the cigar in your mouth and then you shouldn't be smoking you know, during the coronavirus, and I, I mean, I, I can't, I can't you, you, you know, the senior citizen, we're not full senior citizens yet, you know, we're just under the cutoff, we're, we're, you know, early 60s, so we're not 65, so we don't get to go to the special shopping, but that's okay, because my son lives down the street, and he shops, and then he drops it at the front door, because he says, Ma, if I get you sick, I will die. And I'm like, no, actually, I will die. <laughs> That's our little joke. Oh, it is so fun. But he is such a thoughtful son. So he does the shopping and he drops it off and then I wipe it down. And, and you know, Gerald, he's like, oh, you can't get coronavirus from a box. And I'm like, well, Gerald, if I do, I'm going to feel pretty fucking stupid. What else am I doing? You know, I have all the time in the world. I'll wipe down a box. So who am I to not wipe down a box? Okay. What about... Live, laugh, love, cubicle lady. Is she working from home? No, I am not working from home. <laughs> I have to work. I'm not like these rich, bitch, famous people who just don't go to work. You know, I don't even believe that there's a virus because the president said it's all going to go away when the weather gets warm. And so I turn the heat up really high at work. And I'm always cold anyway, even though I have, you know, a, a, a cardigan sweater at the back of my desk, which, by the way, has ketchup on the shoulder. And I did not do that. So s somebody walked by and let ketchup ketchup spill on my cardigan and they're probably a liberal and they probably think oh who cares about other people anyway so no I'm still in my cubicle because I have to work to give my family food and you know live laugh love we just need to laugh in a time like this and fuck the haters girl is she just blithely wandering around touching surfaces and wiping her face because she's too young to worry about being ill from the virus and is really annoyed how all the restrictions are like too restrictive yeah, fuck the hater. Like, first of all, I'm like, I want all the boomers to die because I have no concept of, like, the fact that, like, not everyone old did bad things. And, like, I guess somebody was telling me that, like, older people didn't know the environment had passed the tipping point because the environment hadn't passed the tipping point yet. And so, like, people were just driving cars and, like, they didn't really know that it trapped greenhouse gases. But, like, fuck them for not knowing. Like, they should have known even though, like, there wasn't, like, they should have known. Like, in the 50s, they should have been, like, we're probably hurting the environment. Anyway, I'm just, like, fuck that. Like, <sighs> and how about Dr. Barbara Persons? Will she save us all? Oh, I don't know. Dr. Barbara had a breakdown. Oh, I didn't want to tell you guys. Dr. Barbara drank too much, and um, she's in rehab. So she hasn't been, she didn't get her license taken away, but she hasn't been able to practice. And her boyfriend, the pharmacist, got her into pills. 
Uh, it's a mess. I can't believe this happened to Barbara, but that was the stress of being a doctor and a lawyer at the same time. I don't know what she was trying to prove to people, so we can't hear from Barbara today. I'm so sorry. To anyone new, you're like, what are you talking about? I had these recurring characters, and I'm not even someone who does characters, as you can tell, that would roll in and out during the podcast very organically based on whatever. So go back and listen to all the episodes and you'll find it. Anyway, thank you, Kate, for bringing it up. Um, And while we're self-isolating and catching up on movies, we'd love to hear your commentary like you did that time for the Hallmark Christmas movie a few years back. I know you thought it didn't work, but I thought it was brilliant, even if just for one episode or a series, if not an entire film. Um, I can't because it just doesn't work. It's hard. You'd have to tell people to put a thing on and it's just not what I do. It, it was a special Christmas bonus episode. It's, it, it doesn't work. I'm glad you liked it though, but it's, it for me doesn't work. It didn't make me happy to do it because it's just wasn't executed properly. Um, yeah, sorry. Um, Hey Jen, my coworkers and I organized a video meeting today just to chat and catch up. It was so fun to see everyone dressed in sweats and in their homes. Several pets were on the chat too, and one little dog was growling at the screen the whole time. Why does that annoy me so much? Like, can people with dogs just get over it? Like, yeah, you have a dog. You love dogs. I'm glad you love dogs. Not everyone does. You're at work with the dog off the damn screen, unless people were like, oh, bring your dog in. But like, we get it. Stop. No one with a dog doesn't force their dog on everyone, and they all say the same thing. I'm different. No, you're not. I've ne- no, no, no. 200 dog owners in my life. Hunt- thousands. Never once. Never once wasn't the dog jumping all over me. Never once did anyone say, uh, not say you should get a dog. Not once, not once, not once. It's a cult, <laughs> and I'm sorry. Oh, God. Don't get mad at me, dog owners. you got to understand I live in your world. You don't live in mine, and I just need to vent sometimes. Um, We got nine people on so we could pretend to be the Brady Bunch. Well, that's adorable. Thanks for the podcast during these bizarre times. Hi, Jen. Thank you for your wonderful podcast. I've been listening for about five or six years now. I've just joined your Patreon. Now more than ever, we need your comedy to ease anxiety while we are stuck at home. I see you are asking for podcast ideas, and I would suggest stay away from coronavirus content. We all need a place to go that isn't that right now. Literally, any other topic would be great. Unfortunately, I don't have anything else. Thanks so much for sharing your work and talent. I have really appreciated all the laughs over the years. Wishing you the best, Kate in Australia. Hey, Jen, regarding your message on Patreon about what you'd like to talk about in the next episode, first, related to coronavirus... I'm interested in hearing what others are doing to cope. I feel like I personally wouldn't be able to contribute much to the conversation because I am definitely one of the luckier, more privileged ones. My job's always been remote, and I don't seem to be in any immediate danger of losing it, though ask me again in a week. Probably the biggest disruption for me is that I'm grounded from travel, professionally and personally, but boo-hoo for me. Non-corona-related, I've always been curious to get your take on various films TV shows, and other pop culture elements that depict the stand-up life. Which ones are pretty close to the mark, and which ones have just made you completely cringe, shake your head, or yell at the screen in contempt? Well, I can't answer that in public. I actually don't watch shows about stand-up because it makes me crazy, because I do stand-up, and I'm not interested in stand-up. Like, 
I think if I was in my 20s and I first started doing, when I first started doing stand-up, if there had been all these TV shows about stand-up, I would have been all over it. But now I'm just like, ugh, enough, 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 enough already. And, you know, of course, I wrote on one of the shows that's about stand-up, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and I thought that it kind of accurately depicted what stand-up was like in the 50s. Um, You know, it was a little bit of a fantasy, so Midge was getting famous really quick, and Midge was able to swear almost as bad as Lenny Bruce did, and she didn't get in trouble. You know, she got arrested in the pilot for showing her boobs, but I I think that would happen now. Um, And so I just, oh, I just got a text from a friend. Really sad. So I'm going to call my friend. My friend just had a death in the family. Not corona-related, but. I'm going to call him right now, but I won't. Um, what was I saying? So I think Maisel did a pretty good job, and, and they hired, you know, stand-ups to, to make sure that that world was accurate. But also that show was a touch of a fantasy. Um, but, you know, I haven't seen any of the other ones. I'm sure – yeah, I've heard some of the dialogue from one of the – shows about stand-up and it was just like okay I didn't like it but every show that's about stand-up usually has a ton of stand-ups involved in it so you know every once in a while you're at the mercy of someone who runs the show that isn't one and they're like well it's still a tv show and we have to put this for dramatic effect but I'm still gonna vote that Mrs. Maisel does it best because Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is almost like Sex in the City in that way where it's like look we all know Carrie spends a lot of money on clothes She's wearing things that cost thousands of dollars, probably more than her rent. I don't know how much that job at the New York Star pays, but, um, you know, that's where she puts her column. But it's a fantasy. It's We're just going to b- brush past some real-life details so that you can look at the pretty clothes. And with Midge Maisel, it's like, you know, we're going to brush past, like, how quick her rise is because it's a show about that. It's a show about a woman who just, you know, had her ups and downs in stand-up, but rose really fast. And, you know, a lot of, sometimes that does happen, like with women, if you're, if you're like the only woman doing comedy and uh, back then, like you could rise kind of fast if it was seen as a special, unique thing, but it was still pretty hard. And I think the episodes where Midge had, you know, was bombing or men were treating her like shit or the road was weird or a show gets canceled because no one shows up, that's all very real. Um, it's usually that that stuff goes on for about 15 years, not one. But, you know, that again, that's not what the show is about. The show is about her rise, not how hard it is to do stand-up. We, of course, put those details in because that is good storytelling. You want to root for her and blah, blah, blah. But so I still think it's the best one out there that's very realistic about stand-up. And what I like about it is that even though it's about the 50s, not a ton has changed in comedy um, in in terms of how the business works and how how it's done when you're just roaming around town doing spots. Like there's a lot of, it, it's like at the end of the day, nobody figured out how to not bomb. Nobody figured out how to be perfect right away. You know, it's it's the same old, same old, like you just keep working on it, right? So there you go. Um, hope you're doing well and staying sane in these insane times. Hi, Jen. I'm trying to not think about why that dumb fuck of a president 
wasn't in quarantine after exposure by catching up on the shows, listening to all the music while I dance in my kitchen, cook all the healthy foods through my celiac and hashy compromised immune system stays healthy and all the extras from your Patreon. Oh yeah, my friend has that. Isn't that called like Hashimoto's disease or something? Am I getting crazy? Uh, stay well. Can't wait to hear what you're up to. Yes, please, Kim. Stay stay well. Hi, Jen. I'm just sitting at home like I have for the past five days now and figured I would write in and just talk about the coronavirus and my anxieties because what else am I doing? The show I work on is on hiatus and I have zero idea if and when it will come back. It's a super scary time and honestly, I'm just trying not to contract catastrophize it. I have saved up a decent chunk after living in LA for nearly two years, but I'm worried that's about to be drained. That's what happened to me last year without the coronavirus. If the shutdowns only last for a month, then I should be fine. If it goes longer, well, who the hell knows? I'm sad because I had finally just decided I wanted to stay in LA long term. I've fallen in love with this city and now it could easily be taken from me and I'd have to leave. Sorry, as I'm typing this, I realize how depressing and unhelpful all of this is. I also realize this email is not really working up to a point or a conclusion. A writer should know better. But all I can do right now is ramble. No, this is a great email, and you're really touching on how a lot of people feel. There's a lot of stuff to mourn. Anyways, hope all is well with you and the Having Funlessness group. Off to drink some red wine and rewatch Bridesmaids for the eighth time. Live, laugh, love, Jason. At my work right now, this is someone else, I don't have their name, sorry. At my work right now, a group of cafes in Melbourne, Australia. Um, I've had to tell more that it's so weird, you guys, because I was offered to do the Melbourne Festival this year. I mean, I usually get offered every year, but this year was like a really good offer. And I was like, well, I'm on a writing job till mid-March. And I, I just have a feeling, you know, I haven't been to Australia since 2016. And I was like, I just have a feeling that making plans in November to do a festival in uh, April, it's not the same world anymore. You know, I feel like back then you'd be like, six months from, ne- six months from now, I think the world will still be ho- holding up. I just had a feeling. I said, don't commit to going to Australia for a month because if it, if it doesn't work and you don't take jobs here, you'll have no money. And there was then, there was the fires and then, the entire Melbourne Comedy Festival was canceled due to Corona. So I feel so lucky that I made that weird decision. It was just like this gut feeling. This whole thing has been strange for me because I made this gut decision to stop touring between January and May. I was like, I just can't. I, I am losing money. It's hard to get crowds to come. It is draining me. I need to get some writing jobs. And I wouldn't even mind not touring this year if I end up working a lot. Because I just need a break. I need to keep it simple. And it's just weird how it all worked out. Like it's, I don't mean it all worked out. Okay, that's not what I mean. I'm, and it's weird how the terrible thing happened. But that it would have been worse for me had I decided this year, 100% of my income is touring. I did that last year and I lost 70% of my savings. So um, I didn't even have a choice this year. It wasn't like I was going to risk that again. And I was just damn lucky that I actually got some writing jobs because I didn't get any last year. So it's just really weird that I've, I'm actually gainfully employed right now while everyone else is freaking out. And last year it seemed like everyone was doing fine. And I was like, I haven't worked in 14 months, you know? Um, so it's very strange. Um, 
Anyway, I'll keep reading the email and then I'll tell you about what I've been doing. Um, <clears throat> I've had to tell more than 20 staff, this is the cafes in Melbourne, that there is no work or shifts for them this week. We are facing shutting down completely next week. I've never felt this stressed or anxious. It feels like a crushing doom. Each morning on my way to work, I have gone to listen to one of my podcasts just to escape a little, but 90% of them are talking about it. I understand why, but it's so soul destroying. I just need an escape for an hour on my way to work so I can face a fresh day of bad news for my staff. I'd love for you to do a self-care mental wellness episode. I have found listening to you talk about your own experiences with anxiety has helped me reflect on my own anxiety. It really helps knowing we are not alone and others feel the same way. Thanks for all the podcasts. And while I'm in isolation, I'll be rewatching your two Netflix specials. Um, here's the deal with the mental health wellness episode. I just have had, I've been working 17 hour days, like literally for a month, seven days a week. Like I'm about to have a breakdown and I, I, that kind of episode would take a lot of putting together in a, an amount of time I just didn't have. Um, so that's why today I'm delivering you kind of basic notes, thoughts off the top of my head. I'm happy to talk about that stuff. Um, in a different episode. And I wonder if maybe you guys want to be part of it. If you want to email me, I seem fun at gmail.com. And if you have anxiety and you want to talk about how you've been coping, then I can read them on air and it will feel good that it's coming from you guys as well. Does that sound something that you'd be interested in? Let's have a family meeting. Oh, and then one more. Somebody sent me an email from Bondi Beach. I mean, these idiots, what is going on with my people in Australia? Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, Jen. Discovered you first on Netflix and then the podcast last year when I was going through a particularly tough period and the endless nights of going back through every episode of the podcast for weeks and weeks on end got me through this period and out the other side with a new attitude on life, which I owe a lot to you. Oh, thank you. There, oh my God. There is, there have been times in my life when it's been so fucking rough. I've been so unhappy or scared or something. And I have found a podcast I loved and been like, there's 400 episodes I haven't heard. Oh my God. There's no better feeling. It's like, this will be my best friend for a year while I finish every episode. And by the end of it, you're better. And like, that's just because a year goes by and you would have been okay anyway, but you're really bonded to that podcast. You're like, no, that's the thing that got me through it. Um, I remember one particular episode from several years ago, I think where you talked about one of your trips to Australia. I'm an Aussie, and in particular, a day you spent on Bondi Beach, where I live. That was clearly an impactful day for you for reasons that never really were explained, but it stuck with me for obvious reasons. While there's been a few trips to Bondi that were big for me, one of them I talk about in my book called I Know What I'm Doing and Other Lies I Tell Myself. You guys can get it if you want. Um, but yeah, it was, um, I was going through a really severe breakup, and I was like physically ill from the grief, and uh 
uh, something about Bondi Beach. I didn't go. I had this whole plan. I'm going to go to Bondi because I love it there. And that's going to help with my grief. And then there was like torrential rains for a week that I was in Australia. And I didn't go to the beach, but I ended up being okay anyway. And I realized like I don't need a certain location to make me better. Like getting better was a process and I was doing it. So something like that probably. Anyway, the below is a photo not taken by me of Bondi Beach. I mean, guys, these people are one inch away from each other and there's thousands. Literally footsteps from my apartment today, only days after we, like the rest of the world, were ordered into self-isolation as the world is seemingly collapsing around us, and a day after Australia saw a 33% increase in COVID-19 cases in a single day. COVID-19 cases in a single day. So finally, what annoys me is the totally selfish actions of more than a few people who think that because they are young, beautiful, and fit, that they can just flaunt the rules, putting others at great risk without a care in the world other than amassing in great numbers on an admittedly gorgeous autumn day during the greatest health crisis the world has ever seen in over 100 years on one of the most amazing beaches in the world, which just happens to also be my home. Not only am I annoyed, I'm now scared. Just keep living. Steve from Bondi. Bondi, Steve. I feel ya. I'm really disappointed. But that's why Melbourne makes fun of Australia. I mean, that's why Melbourne makes fun of Sydney. You guys are like the dumb people. It's like uh, New York and L.A. Like Melbourne's New York and Sydney is L.A. And so New Yorkers are like, oh, dumb people in California. are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You wish you had our beaches. Oh, I'm sorry if they're acting like that. Listen, everybody. Look, 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 look. If you are working from home, if whatever you're doing from home, you're doing it from home. Are you in bed? Because you might want to try the best sleep of your life. These sheets, they are a sponsor. Etitude. E-T-T-I-T-U-D-E. Now, here's the thing. I know a lot of sheets. are like, oh, we're really comfortable. No, no, no. Organic, clean bamboo is actually better for the environment. So why not do two good things? One, get yourself all comfy. And two, save the world. So organic, clean bamboo recycles 98% of the water it uses. So it's the most sustainable bedding available. Cotton, on the other hand, uses a ton of pesticides and it wastes water, therefore harmful on the environment. So why not Etitude? These amazing sheets have a 30-day risk-free trial. If you're not fully satisfied, you can return your sheets for a full refund. They even cover shipping on returns. Etitude is bedding for the educated, conscious consumer, 100% organic bamboo, made with a non-toxic manufacturing process, hypoallergenic and antimicrobial. Isn't that always the worst? Like you get new sheets or new pillowcases and you open them and they just smell like chemicals and you're like, it's like, okay. That's not attitude. So here's the deal. The, this is what you do. You text the word Jen, J-E-N, to 64-000. That's the only way that you will get 20% off of attitude sheets and free shipping is to text Jen to 64-000, J-E-N to 64-000. Now, they are telling me that the code 64-000 has to be read as 64,000. Stresses me out because I don't know. There's a dash in there. I want to make sure you guys do it right. But let me also say text Jen to 64,000. 
by the way, it's also an anti antimicrobial. So like that's great for your skin. If you got like, you know, acne, it's not going to bother it. And it's cooling. So if you're like in the menopause or you're just just one of those sweaty men's, extremely breathable, regulates your temperature to improve the quality of your sleep. I mean, it's like being cocooned by like, I don't know, a thousand little soft puppy dogs. See, for the dog people, I got your back. Smooth as silk, but not silk. There you go. Here's the deal. Breathable as linen, soft as silk, at the price of cotton. You're going to love them. And when you support my sponsors, you support my show. Right now, my listeners, 20% off your sheet set and free shipping. Text Jen to 64,000. All right. Oh, my God, you guys. I'm so tired. So here's what's been going on with me. Um, when I heard about this little pandemic coming across the globe, I thought, well, this president isn't equipped to deal with it. And if you're like, I love Trump, fuck you, liberal, you're, I'm just saying facts. And if you can't handle facts, you know, again, snowflake off, please. But I started to think, well, there's a couple cases in America and if there isn't testing, well, how do we know who has them? So I was thinking in the back of my head, huh. Then I noticed that one, or I'd heard that one was in uh, Irvine, California, about hour drive from me with traffic too. And I was doing shows with David Spade at the, at the improv in Irvine, Friday, March 13th through 15th. That got canceled. But I jokingly sent him like a voice memo that was like, Corona in Irvine, we're probably going to have to cancel the show. That was like six weeks before. Uh, I guess I thought, I guess I wasn't really thinking about it. And I thought, well, maybe it'll get handled somehow. And then it really was not getting handled. And I was like, Wait, this is bad. And and my own assessment is if I know that everyone says, no, 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 you can only get it from, you know, like kissing someone with Corona or they sneeze in your mouth and, and, and surfaces and all that. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. You know what I mean? I just don't know. And I had this gig in Washington, D.C., which was March 8th on a Sunday. And things were starting to heat up. We weren't talking about quarantining yet, but we were definitely talking about maybe overseas travel is not a good idea right now and blah, blah. And I just went, I, I don't think I should go. I don't think I should get on a plane. But I went and I wiped down. And of course, God, oh, men, you're so cute when you find out about things and then you act like no one else could possibly have known about it. I've been wiping down my seat, and so is Naomi Campbell, by the way. I don't know if you guys remember that video that went around on YouTube. Like, I think it was sometime in the last year. She gets these giant wipes, and she wipes everything. The window of the plane, the call button above, everything. Not just the screen and the tray table. She wipes the seat, like the actual seat you sit on. She takes it next level. And she's like, my health is the most important thing to me. And I'm like, you know, she's right. So everyone was talking about the Naomi Campbell video. Me and some of my comedian friends, especially my friend Sarah Colonna, were obsessed 
with wiping down. And so I always do it on flights. People always look at me. And I've been called a germ phobe many times. And I don't have a phobia of germs. I have a reality about germs, which is that they exist. And they're on your tray table because they don't clean the tray tables, as I've said a million times. So anywho, um, I get on the plane. And this dude is wiping. Did I say this already? I think I'm losing my mind. But no. I know I didn't. Because I think the last time I went into the studio. No, it couldn't be. Let me just look. Because I really feel like I told you guys this. And I feel like I'm legit losing my mind. I'm legit losing my mind. Um. No. Huh. When did I record these? March 1st. Okay. Anyway, so he's like, I have a present for you. I don't know this guy. And by the way, the, the, the gig was first class all the way. Like they paid for first class flight. It was great. And he hands me this. It's not even um, a Clorox wipe. It's like a wet wipe for hands, but it doesn't kill coronavirus. It kills 99.9% .9 of germs. But the only thing that kills corona is hand sanitizer with more than 60% alcohol and Clorox wipes. So I didn't have the heart to tell him I can't have the right thing. He was so proud of himself. And I go, oh, no, I've been doing this long before. It was cool. And I pulled out my bleach wipes, which smelled terrible. And then someone in my social media was like, we actually don't want things to be bleached. I don't know who she was. She works on a plane. But I was like, I don't care. This is my life. I'm doing it once. I don't walk around bleaching everything and ruining lives. Like, I'm bleaching it. So I bleached it. But I just kept thinking, why? You know, and they were like, don't wear masks. Don't wear masks. It's disrespectful to workers. But now I realize they meant don't wear, like, regulation masks that workers need. But I just had these fun fashion masks that workers would never wear <laughs> that aren't, like, they're not even um, going to protect you from COVID, I don't think. But they're better than nothing. And they, they give me peace of mind. And then if I'm touching my face, then at least I just touch the mask. So I didn't bring it. But then I get to the gig, and the guy that runs the Kennedy Center, super nice, and uh, hopefully I'll get to perform there again in one of the smaller rooms back when we're all back up running. But he goes to shake my hand and go, Corona. He's like, come on. I go, not like, come on, I'm dying to shake your hand, but, oh, I don't even think about it. They go, no, 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 it's, we've got to assume that everyone has it, that everyone's a carrier, and we can't shake hands. Like it's a, it, We shouldn't be doing that anyway. It's foolishness. So I just started like bowing to everyone because everyone's like, ooh, elbow bump. No, no touching. We don't have to. It's not rude to not touch people. It ain't rude. So I could not believe how many people I was encountering that were just touching hands. And I go, sorry, Corona. And they'd go, I don't have it. Would you get a test? How do you know? How do you know I don't have it? Come on, everybody. So... Anyway, the guy wiping down his seat, uh, he goes, it's really scary, you know? I mean, one minute you're living your life, and the next, like, this thing could just kill you. <laughs> I wanted to say, that's how women feel about men, but I didn't. Um, but anyway, so I, you know, I felt 
a little queasy in my hotel room and not not literally but I felt like that was dumb I don't think I should have flown here and I know everyone else was on the plane airports are perfectly packed and I went well I don't know so then I um did the show and flew back the next day so I had a show at 8 p.m on a Sunday I had to get back to my writing job on this Netflix show Monday morning at 10 30 a.m you do the math time travel is involved or changing of time zones I call it time travel and so, you know, took like an early flight, but you know, I got to, I told them I was coming in late, came to work late and was just like, well, that's no good either. Like now if, you know, I did catch it, my immune system is not great because I was just losing sleep. So I was really nervous. I was just starting to get kind of a tight feeling in my entire body, just of like, I'm scared. I think that was dumb. And then part of me was like, well, Jen, if you really thought you had it, would you still be going into the office? I was like, I guess not. I don't know. I don't know. Because I tell you, that respiratory thing I had for six weeks in November and December was so scary. The coughing was so scary that I would just cry. I would just cry in the middle of the night. And it wasn't bad enough that I had to go to the hospital. I could totally breathe. I just couldn't stop coughing. And I felt I was going to break a rib. And it just I felt scary. And that's when I saw a pulmonologist for the first time. And he was like, you do have asthma. So when you get respiratory stuff, like I always didn't really know if I had asthma, but I suspected. And I got it actually confirmed with pulmonary function testing. And so he was like, and it all makes sense now, like tying in with my vocal issues. And a lot of times like my breathing is off and, and it's because of asthma. You know, I have a like a performance-induced and an exercise-induced, especially asthma. So when I get sick, it goes to the bronchioles. They only work at 60%. It's a whole thing. So he gave me some steroid inhalers, and he was like, just, just, just inhale it up, you know, whatever. So, I mean, I don't always take them, but he said, if you feel something coming on, just begin the steroid inhaler because it helps with inflammation. It's going to help it not come to fruition. So blah, blah, blah. So I'm just like, this thing is not great for people with asthma already. I'm really scared. And then I saw, I don't know, maybe I don't have it. Maybe it's just not ramped up yet. And then things start closing. Okay, you can't be, you can't have more than 250 people in a room. And like me and the David Spade gigs were still happening that weekend. And I was like, I don't want to cancel because I'm going to look like, I'm being dramatic about something. And then I was like, well, I have to. And then it was canceled. So I never had to make that decision. But, you know, and uh, I went out to a restaurant Thursday the 12th. And that was the last time I've gone out in public. Um, So I'm just sort of like white knuckling, counting the days that I've been like completely avoidant of people. And it's like about... 13 days since I've flown and nine days since I've been in public. So I'm just like, oh, get through the final stretch of, they say the incubation period is two to 14 days. So, but you know, um, now here's the problem. So I started having symptoms. I had a fever like two weeks ago before I even got on that plane. I had a fever one day of 99.9. I was working from home. This is what's so funny. So when you write on a TV show, you sit in the writer's room and you all pitch and it's, communal and you you talk all day then each episode somebody different writes the script so myself and this other woman were co-writing a script and so 
once our boss said you're off on script, that means you have two weeks off, not off, but you have two weeks to work from home and write it. So she and I would be on the phone together all day, Skyping, you know, we'd hand in drafts, then our bosses, oh, let's get on a conference call. We came to the office a couple times to like have notes meetings, but basically was, was living the Corona life like early March and without even knowing it, you know? And so during that, I was like, oh weird, I have a fever today. And then it went away. And then I was really achy, like really bad. And I was like, oh, I'm getting sick. And then I never got sick. Then I flew to DC. Then I came back. And then the week I was back, I had a raging sore throat. It was like fire engine red. And um, no fever, no aches. I wasn't coughing, but it was like, <clears throat> I felt like an elephant was standing on my, not exactly my chest and not, not your throat where you get anxiety, like gulp, but like right in between, like right in my bronchioles. Whenever I get sick, I get this weird feeling there. So I, I, I had that and I was like, oh shit, I got the C. I got the C. Oh fuck. This is so scary. I was just like, I would go to bed with like gripping anxiety. Like I don't know how to explain it. It felt like somebody was just holding me in a vice. And I was like, oh, I think it was just like, I don't want to be alone and having that scary cough and just, you know, there's no hot, I don't want there to be no hospital beds. It was just like, no, 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 no. And so I didn't even like bother to go to a doctor because I didn't have the fever. And I knew the testing was you have to have a fever. You have to be coughing. You have to have traveled from China, Iran, Italy, and you have to have been in touch with someone in contact with someone who tested positive for the virus, which how the fuck would I, when no one's getting tested in America, that's not like they should take that requirement and throw it away. Might as well say, oh, and the fourth requirement for getting a test is to go fuck yourself. If you do that, you can get a test. So I just had this feeling like, you know what? Just go see it. Go, go be in the presence of someone with a stethoscope and maybe they'll make you feel better. So I'm lucky to be part of this like collective of doctors um, due to my insurance with the Writers Guild Union and this collective uh, just happened to be open on a Sunday. So I went to see this doctor super young. I mean, I don't know how young he is, but he seemed under 40. He was just like super chill, you know, like just like, hey, I'm your millennial doctor. Like, what's up? You know, and he made me feel better. And I said, I flew last week and I think that was a mistake. He's like, no, I did too. He's like, what'd you fly for? I was like, well, I had an event. He's like, how many people were there? I was like, 2,000. I was like, but I was on stage. I wasn't among them. So it's not, I don't think it quite counts. I was very far away from them. I didn't touch anyone. I certainly wasn't standing only six feet apart from anyone, but I've been in touch with everyone there. I like emailed every female comedian that did this gig. I was like, do you have symptoms? Um, it totally reminds me of the 90s when like the AIDS scare was so crazy and you like kiss a boy for the first time and you're like, I totally have AIDS. Like, so I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but like we literally did think that some of us young folks did. Anyway, so <clears throat> um, I see the doctor and he's like, I get it. Like if you have a fever, I could probably get you a test, but you don't. And he's like, you might have it. He's like, do you have it? probably not, but maybe it's just this, you haven't had enough time for the symptoms to, 
you know, incubate yet. And he's like, will you die if you get it? No, probably not. He's like, you know, I can't give you a test right now because it's this whole thing and you don't qualify. But, but then I'm like, Tom Hanks in Australia had a sniffle and felt tired and he got a test. But anyway, he was like, so next week, the testing like requirements might lessen a little bit. So if your symptoms get worse, as our testing requirements calm down a little bit, you know, this could work out. He goes, give me a call, um, you know, or come in again on Wednesday. So four, three days later, I still have the raging sore throat. It's like red as shit. They took a strep test. It wasn't strep. But I don't have any other symptoms. Like I'm not coughing, but I'm really short of breath. Not like <gasps> can't breathe, but wheezing and <clears throat> I keep doing that. <clears throat> and I go to this doctor. He's not working. It's this different woman. She's like full gear. She's got like a plastic mask on, you know, like she's welding, which is great. But then like the women at the front desk didn't have masks on. And I come in in a mask just in case I'm sick. And they kind of giggled. And I'm like, excuse me. Like, I know we're supposed to be nice to healthcare workers right now. And of course I am. And my niece is a nurse and so are my aunts. And like, duh, nurses are fucking the best. Um, most doctors are too. We all know we've found the condescending ones. But the people I'm obviously going to be so nice to are the receptionists who are like, I could have answered phones anywhere and I got to fucking be here with all you sick people. I would totally be in a mask and gloves. I came into the doctor with medical gloves on and a mask just in case. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get anyone sick. And they kind of giggled. I go, I may be overdoing it, but it's better than dying and then having you get it. And they were kind of like looking at me like, what? Like what? I don't get it. Like, what's the problem? I was just like, okay, am I insane? Am I making this up that it's a pandemic? Because I'm reading the, I'm looking around. Anyway, this doctor was like, your vitals are perfect. Your oxygen's 100. She's like, do you think it's anxiety? And I was like, of course, I always think. I'm, I'm actually the reverse of a hypochondriac. I never think I have anything. I'm always like, it's anxiety. And people will be like, there's a lump in your um, ass and it is bleeding. And I'm like, that's anxiety. You like things that aren't anxiety. I was like, but I said, I'm definitely anxious, but it's not, it doesn't manifest in this, in what I have. It manifests other ways and I explained. Anyway, she was kind of dismissive. She's like, bye, you don't qualify for anything, go home. But there was no one in the doctor's office. It wasn't like, I was taking, God, boring myself with my story. Anyway, so I go home. I start remembering about the silent reflux. Remember that, guys? When I was always like, <clears throat> and my voice was like this. It's like one of those things where like, it's so hard to take seriously because it is not heartburn. You don't get that heartburn feeling. But silent reflux is when your gastro, your, your stomach acids are coming up at night and they are going into your uh, vocal cords, voice box, it can go into your lungs and aspirate a little bit. And what starts to happen is your breathing tube, you know, bronchioles and all of that, they tighten up because they're trying to prevent the stomach acid from getting into your lungs. And it can cause exactly the sensation I had. It can cause shortness of breath. It mimics asthma. And that was, that's what it was, I believe. So I started taking Pepsid AC, it went away. And then I went back on my acid reflux diet, which it's not going to happen right away that that changes anything. And of course, I still love to have, you know, a red wine now and again and a coffee. But my doctor was like, it's more, just don't eat after six, you know, and you should be fine. But um, 
So I think that's what it was because it went away after I took that stuff and the sore throat did too. So fingers crossed that I am okay. I'm still nervous. So I was writing on this Netflix show called Girls on the Bus. It comes out next year. And um, my contract was up as of a couple days ago. And they maybe were going to extend me. I mean, I think they were because we were still finishing up the script. But I got a job writing on Kids in the Hall. So I start that. By the time you hear this, I'll have started. I Well, I've actually started this weekend. I'm, I'm actually like checking emails and conference calling with everyone and coming in with pitches. So, But the last show I was on, we were writing a script. And it literally 7 a.m. to midnight. That, those are my hours. And it was like a new moms are going to yell at me. But I'm like... I'm serious when I say when you guys would be like, I don't even have time to shower. I'd be like, really? Can't your husband watch a kid while you shower? Single moms. I totally get Like, I couldn't shower because, like, you're on the phone with a writing partner. Like, there's just no time. And you're just like, oh, I got to think. And, like, it, it was just so much work. And I was getting stressed and I was worried that I was getting sick. Meanwhile, during all of this, people start social distancing. People start self-quarantining. I was already home working 17 hours a day doing that. And my texts are blowing up. And I was like, just let me know that you're okay. And I was like, I have my, you know, my texts on my computer so I can, it's easier to type that. And I was like, I'm working 17 hours a day. I can't talk. I'll be done with this job in a month. And everyone would be like, that job sounds crazy. As though I was getting abused. I was like, that's just what the script writing part is like. It's not always that way. And yes, writing jobs are sometimes kind of intense and take up your whole life. That's why you get paid well to do them and not everyone can do it because not everyone can stand that kind of lifestyle. I don't want to live that way every day, but for a few weeks, it's fine. You know what I mean? So everyone was pissing me off. Everyone was like, I'm so bored. I'm like, it's day five. How are you bored? What is to be bored? We've got Netflix, Hulu. I have a list of things I want to watch. And everyone's like, are you watching this? I'm like, I'm not, I'm, I'm working seven. If someone says I'm working 17 hours a day, why do you have any more questions after that? I'm not watching anything. I have no time. I'm like, stop talking. Like, I had, but, 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 Thank God I'd recorded so many episodes in advance uh, of this podcast. Everyone would drive me crazy. And then the people on Twitter that are like trying to be helpers, like everyone thinks they're fucking Mr. Rogers. They're like, everybody, a really good thing to do is check on your elderly neighbor. Yeah, we know. We used to make jokes on Twitter. What's this shit? Now, I don't mind a public service announcement every once in a while, of course. But it's just like it's the way people do it where they're like, everyone... I have an announcement. It's me. And then just like Vanessa Hudgens, who's just like, I mean, people die. It's like, what? You know that that's code for, you know, old people should die. It, listen to me. Every generation has a hand in destroying the earth. And I got to be honest with everybody. There is something that we have just got to accept. And I, and I remember feeling this on 9-11 in New York. When my city was bombed a half a mile from where I was standing, or not bombed, you know, sorry, planes were bombs. Planes used as bombs. I went, oh, now I understand how people in other countries live who have had wars on their soil. Like, I've had it real good for a long time. And I'm not saying, I deserve this. I deserve to be in 9-11 because I've had it so good. No, we all deserve it. We all deserve life to be perfect and wonderful and beautiful. But that is not life. And this disease is scary. And a lot of people are going to get hurt. And a lot of people are going to get scared. But the thing is, we have got 
to have our joy when we can. And we have got to look, if we are healthy, we have got to look to people who have gone through this before. I mean, Anne Frank hiding for 740 days. You know, I'm not joking when I say we have to be, um, it's okay to mourn and be like, this is really scary and this is really sad. But what's so funny is, oh, I'm looking at social media, you know, the whole couple years, I'm, I'm doing these gigs out and about. All, every comedian I know feels this way. And people are like, oh, I'll just watch you on Netflix. I don't like to leave the house. And suddenly, the whole culture of I don't like to leave the house, on day five, everyone's like, oh, my God, I can't leave the house. I'm like, on social media, I've never seen one of you leave the house in two years. What is, you were, what is this sudden thing that you have to leave the house? You haven't left it. I mean, I don't know what's happening, but you can't be bored on day five because this is going to go to day possibly 500 because there will be waves and waves of this. And I was reading, I won't get into, I said we're not going to talk stats, but just for the healthy people that get to work from home, stop complaining. I'm complaining that I'm working too much because I'm a jerk, but complaining about being bored, like you're not bored, you're boring, right? I mean, I, this, so I was having a really hard time. Like last year when I didn't work, it wasn't like I was sitting around eating bonbons. I was writing three different pilot scripts. I was going on tour and then doing all my own like social media, advertising, bing, 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 ba, ba, ba. And I was having pitch meetings and I go to auditions. So I was working 70 hours a week unpaid for most of it except for the touring, but I was losing money touring. So it was like a nightmare. I was so stressed out. I couldn't even have the reward of like putting money in the bank. So when I got this uh, Netflix job in December, it was such a relief. And I worked there December, January, February, March, right? Thank God, thank God, thank God. But then I was like, geez, you know, I haven't had a two seconds off. I had a few days off in Amsterdam, which was great. That was October. But I was like, I think when this Netflix job ends at the end of March, I'm going to go on vacation for a week. And I started looking up vacations and I was like, mm, no, because I don't know when my next job is and I don't want to spend money. And then I had this genius idea. I was like, what do I really want out of a vacation? And I was like, I want to not have to go. Like my life is a series of, I wake up in the morning and I have my day planned. My manager and agent will be like, okay, we need you to write a script for free so that we can pass it around and show people your writing skills. I go, great. Well, I need two weeks to work on it, nine hours a day. Yep, totally. I wake up. They're like, this producer called. They really want you to audition for this thing. Well, now that involves hair and makeup, learning the lines, driving to and from the thing. So now it's six hours. So now that day for writing is blown. Then it's like, how's the script coming? Well, I can't. I just went to this audition. We have this other meeting. Can you get it? Every day. And every day I'm like, I should be grateful. I should be grateful. I get a lot of opportunities. None of them have worked out, but I get them. And that's a big deal. The day the phone stops ringing is not a good day. But I could not get one fucking thing done. And I was starting to stress. And then I take a full-time job and all that other stuff is still happening on top of it. And I was like, Calgon, take me away. That's a bubble bath from the uh, 80s. So... I said, I'm going to go on this vacation end of March. And then I said, well, I don't want to spend money. I said, so what do I really want to do? Well, I, <clears throat> I want to not have to go to any meetings or any anything. And I want one week off. And I don't want to work. I want to simplify my life and organize and do stuff. And I went, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell all my reps 
that I am on vacation, like maybe I'll tell them I'm on a silent retreat or maybe I'll tell them I'm on a beach vacation in Mexico and I won't be working or answering the phone. I won't be available for anything. Block it off, which, you know, I'm allowed to do, but then I won't really do it. I'll be home and I'll have a home vacation and, you know, maybe I'll take hikes every day in the woods and then drive to the beach if I want, but I'll be home just regrouping and cleaning out closets and reorganizing life. And my to-do list was so long and I was almost going to hire an assistant, but I didn't have time to train them. Like, help me. And I didn't really have the money to have an assistant anyway. So then this coronavirus hits and it's like, be careful what you wish for because now nobody's calling with anything. I mean, show business is still going remotely, but I don't have to run anywhere. Like I can be home all day. And now I'm like, ah, oh, I'm kind of relaxed. I'm sure in a few months I'll be freaked the fuck out. But just for right now, for me and what I'm going through, this is my story. I'm feeling very grateful. So far I'm healthy. healthy. I feel very grateful that I have employment. And I feel very grateful that I actually wanted this downtime and this alone time to get some things done around the house or the apartment. And everything has gotten, the lack of choices has been a very spiritual experience for me. It's been very simplistic. You know, it's like empty the dishwasher, put this away. Now I'm going to clean this. It's, it's been quite lovely. And now that my crazy 17 hour a day job has just ended, the job wasn't crazy, it was just crazy hours recently. Um, and I start kids in the hall tomorrow, basically today. Uh, I think the hours will be a little less kooky dukes and I might have some of those moments to myself. And I, I'm still like, can I take walks? I think I might take walks outside, put my mask on, not get near anybody do my home workouts. I'm really excited to keep it simple and just like not buy stuff and not go to restaurants. Like I'm really, really, if I'm lucky enough to have this, I'm going to really embrace it and be grateful because we can't have everyone being freaked out and miserable. And I don't have a reason today to be freaked out and miserable. I'm mourning it. It's sad, but I'm okay. And I'm, um, I'm sad for the world, but, but not for me. I don't have anything to complain about and I'm going to be happy because this is actually weirdly something I really needed. Now, I wish it didn't come in the form of this, but, uh, you know, and it's funny that my married friends are all like, are you okay? And I'm like, you know what? I had a fucking like couldn't breathe, terrifying bronchial thing that no one knew what it was, which I'm like, did I have Corona in November and December? I don't know how I would have gotten it, but, and nobody was checking in on me, which is fine. I, I don't care. There's nothing anyone can do. Do you need me to bring you anything? No, I, I mean, on, no, honestly, you know, and I actually, I have four months worth of food. I did all this st stocking up. I've got all the like remedies and all my inhalers. Like I have, I don't want for anything, but it's funny that the marrieds are checking in because marrieds, I used to be one. They always, including myself, get it wrong with single people. Like, I don't know if y'all are feeling me. I, I think I talked about this. I went through a breakup right after Trump got elected and everyone was freaking out and melting down. And I was like, good, I'm melting down too for a different reason, but I'm glad everyone's miserable. Like, I have no fear of missing out. People are like, you're alone in your home. Listen, relationships are great. I recently was dating someone who is such a delight. Um, we decided to just be really good friends and we're in touch and um, he's a delight. And I don't want to live with the boyfriend during Corona. That does not work for me. I don't want to deal 
with someone who might be not taking it seriously, if God forbid that's the kind of guy I was with, would be with, or I, I want to be around the house doing my things. If I lived in like a giant house, like maybe that'd be one thing. But during a pandemic, I'm not like, wish I had a boyfriend. I don't. It's about what if he got it? And then I got, I don't. The other times of the year, sometimes every once in a while, if I'm like working too hard and don't have time to date or isn't someone special in my life, I'm like, oh, this is lonely. But then no one thinks to check in on me then, which they don't have to. That's when I reach out to friends and go, I'm lonely. But it's like married. We, we're fine. The singles are fine in a pandemic. Like I'm living my best life. It's like Thanksgiving when I'm like, ugh, you know, if I were in a relationship then I wouldn't have to like go home and travel. Not that I don't love my family. But it's just a pain in the ass. Like invite me over for Thanksgiving, you know? Not just you and your husband. That's not fun. But uh, since I don't talk about my personal life on here, I, I don't mean to uh, – just everyone should know that I'm fine and I'm uh, usually uh, well um, – I go through periods of the year where I'm uh, not with people and I go th- through periods of the year where I am. So I'm happy as a clam. If I can be like, oh, I just recently had something like that in my life. Great. You know, like uh, when I'm sitting at home and I'm going, there's no man's here. I'm only sad about it if for no reason there is. And I'm like, I've never felt better. I'm adorable. Let's do this. Where, where is someone special? But if I'm sitting here going, there's no man's here. I'm like, oh, because there's a pandemic. Oh, thank God no one's here. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I think the married people are just losing their shit and trying to get out of the house. Like, I've had so many married friends say to me, well, I'm not sick. So if you want me to visit, I'm like, I don't know that you're not sick. You could be a carrier, like a nut. I'm fine. I am enjoying the downtime. Like, I've always wanted to watch every episode of Shit's Creek. I just started watching it. It's so funny. I can't, why did I not watch this show before? So, like, I plan after I get my feet wet with kids in the hall and I get some work done, um, when I have time off, I'm going to watch all of Shit's Creek. I have so many Nazi documentaries to watch. Um, I mean, just so many things. I have books piled up. This one day, I was just like, I never get to read anymore. Like, I'd need about a year to be bored. I mean, I might be stressed and like I'm not working or what's happening, you know, and human touch is important. Like I do like hugging my friends and getting a massage or something. So I think that'll be tough, but eh, I'm resilient. We're resilient. I have the hiccups now for no reason. I'm glad people with the video feed can see that I've been sitting here drinking water and Lipton tea for an hour and 10 minutes and then I'm not like drinking wine and hiccuping. Um, anyway, so that's what I wanted to say this one. So then Matthew McConaughey said something and this one so at the end of his message, he said, just keep living. And this woman wrote, that's really insensitive. People who are in the hospital can't just keep living. And I'm like, I don't think Matthew McConaughey was talking to the people on ventilators going, just keep living. It's like, you fucking overreact much. And I go, you're taking your anxiety out on me. I said, Actually, I have symptoms this is last week when I did. And what he said comforted me. Just keep living is actually his catchphrase. And it's the name of his foundation that helps kids. And it was the name of my comedy special because it really means a lot to me. I think what he's saying is those of us who are well and healthy and just a little scared, just keep living. Just keep walking through the fear. That's all. That's all. And she's like, you're taking your anxiety out on me. And like, didn't even respond to someone who said I have symptoms. It was just all up in arms about these people 
you know what someone in a in a hospital isn't offended by? Matthew McConaughey. They're offended by any breakdown in the system that, that pre- could have prevented this. I'm going to get on my high horse right now. But uh, ugh, people are just the worst. The worst. Also, um, I was going to read this article. Hallmark will air a Christmas movie marathon because we need a little Christmas right now. And there's also another article that people are putting up their Christmas lights for hope in a time of darkness. Isn't this what JK has always said? That that Christmas is not is, is light in the time of dark. Light in the time. Now, I get a little nervous about the electricity being used. I'm I'm stressed. I'm stressed. Um, but you know, okay. <clears throat> But yeah, I don't know when the Hallmark Movie Marathon is. I'm still writing my Hallmark movie, by the way. As you know, I, I um, <clears throat> sold them a pitch idea, and I have to write the movie. But I just I haven't had time. So there we go. Um, what are these other notes I was going to make to myself about stuff I wanted to talk about? Um, I think that was it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that I said everything I needed to say. I think, um, would you guys mind if, if I left the episode on our friend Matthew McConaughey and what he had to say, uh, if it doesn't stress you out too much? Um, I think we'll just uh, let Matthew take us home here. Let's see. Um, this is very comforting to us Americans because our, our president <laughs> hasn't comforted us. All right, here's, here's Mr. McConaughey. Crazy times, uh, here we go. Say in these crazy times uh, that we're in with the coronavirus, um, Let's take care of ourselves and each other. Uh, let's not go to the lowest common denominator and get paranoid. Let's do our due diligence, take the precautions we need to to take care of ourselves and those of us around us. Right now, more than ever before, we're all more dependent on each other than we ever have been. But we have an enemy in coronavirus that is faceless, that is raceless, sexless, non-denominational, and bipartisan. And it's an enemy that we all agree we were going to beat. We want to beat, and we're going to beat them. All right? So in this time when people are going to move on, the economy is going to be in shambles for who knows how long, there is a green light on the other side of this red light that we're in right now. And I believe that green light is going to be built upon the values that we can enact right now, values of fairness, kindness, accountability, resilience, respect, courage. If we practice those things right now, when we get out of this, this virus, this time might be the one time that brings us all together and unifies us like we have not been in a long time. So, yes, let's see if we can make some lemonade out of this lemon that we're in the middle of. Turn a red light into a green light. Just keep living. Until next week, have fun.